Welcome to another special topic episode of the Olefins Weekly Wrap-Up, a podcast by IHS Market. Today is Wednesday, April 28th. I'm Erin Roberts. Today, Joelle Morales joins Carlo and me to talk about some of the highlights from this morning's joint light olefins and polyolefins webinar. Before we get into that, though, can you tell us a little bit about why we do the webinars and what, what the point of them is for our clients? Sure. So we've been doing webinars for a number of years now, and we have a lot of clients. We're, we're very grateful. And unfortunately, not everybody reaches out to us uh, all the time as much as we wish they would. And we're, we, we were trying to find a way to scale our, our message and make sure that clients were getting relevant information as quickly as possible. And, and if you think about it, you know, now, now they're on demand. Even if you can't attend, you can register. We've got folks listening on weekends. You've got some companies that have dozens and dozens of people. So it was a way for us to scale our message and to be able to provide a lot of information in a short period of time and make sure that our client base was getting it. So, but it does it, a lot of work. So maybe I'll hand it over to Carlo. You can talk about some of the things that we go through to get these things ready. No, it's, it, it is a, an event uh, in itself because I remember when I was back with CMAI, we used to do these presentations one client at a time. And I think when IHS bought CMAI, there, there was already a standing uh, methodology to kind of get the, get the message out in mass. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been almost 10 years since we've been doing webinars. Um, but as, as Joel said, there is a lot of work that goes into it. Um, from preparing the slide decks to making sure that marketing gets the notifications out to all of you. Um, also, we have to make sure that we're in the production queue because IHS has a number of webinars. It's not just us, right? So we, we have to make sure we're in that queue. Um, and then also, I think when during the webinar, uh, there's a lot of preparation right before it, right? So we're, we're in... Uh, in the box, so to speak, uh, and we're making sure that we're testing mics and, and and there's always one member of our of our team that always has trouble with the mics, Nick. But <laughs> um, but he, you know, we love him and uh, we we help him out throughout that time uh, so that we can get ready to to present. Um, it, but it's fun. I'm cracking jokes via chat. We're sending chat messages to each other when we're uh, when we're uh, um, listening to each other's uh, presentations and giving each other notes, timing ourselves—it's it's actually pretty fun. Yeah, it's a great way to keep the olefins and polyolefins tied together in, in our region. All our global regions are are very close, and uh, you know, the two go hand in hand. So anything to get more communication between the groups just makes our product even that much better. Yeah, I mean, and and I think uh, there's a lot of camaraderie too behind the scenes because. I said a word during the webinar, and it was typically a code word uh, that uh, Steve Lewandowski, he he hates the word. I don't know why. I use the word portend, and he just thinks it's the most ridiculous word ever, but I used it intentionally just to get on his nerves. And uh, the Nick and Joel were just kind of in the background, what's this all about? <laughs> so it was, uh, it was actually quite humorous for those of us on the elephant side. Well, now that our listeners have gotten a little peek behind the curtain, let's get into some of the questions we got during the webinar and just that we've received from clients recently. 
So um, for the first one, with natural disasters and weather disrupting Gulf Coast petrochemical production, what is the approach to forecasting? That's a that's a great question, Aaron, because that's been a point of emphasis here over the last 10 months, right? Uh, we've had three straight hurricanes hitting the um, hitting the Lake Charles area, uh, really disrupting uh, that amount of production there. Uh, we've also had the Great Freeze, which brought all these plants uh, in the Texas Gulf Coast offline, uh, as well as refineries. Um, we've been getting challenged a lot on uh, our forecast methodology in the sense that, hey, how do we account for, for these natural disasters and weather-related events? And I guess the simple answer is we do that at the beginning of every year. We put in a bogey for the unplanned outages that we expect uh, throughout the year, and we carry that bogey throughout every month, right? So uh, on the olefin side, I don't know what it is on the polyolefin side, but on the olefin side, it's basically 3.8% uh, per month, right? And so the that's the capacity outage offline that we would expect from an unplanned perspective. But in general, we forecast surprise free. Now, the one thing I will add is given, given the emphasis that has been on weather related outages, um, we've been getting a lot of questions on what's this upcoming hurricane season look like and what's the impact or at least the projected impact on, uh, on olefin's production. And what I would say to that is it it, it really depends uh, on where the hurricanes first where they where they start off on, because if they if they start off in the Gulf, then there is a high probability that they will uh, hit the petrochemical sector. Uh, but if they start out outside of the Gulf, and then they have to thread the needle to get into the Gulf, and depending on how the projection or the uh, the storm path is laid out, it could be miles away from any petrochemical complex. So this isn't really a um, an easy subject to uh, to forecast. But what I would say is uh, for those of you NALO subscribers, uh, we did put together a, uh, a hurricane retrospective and um, we uh, charted out the paths of all the hurricanes over the last 10, maybe 10, 15 years. Uh, that have gone through the Gulf and how they've uh, impacted uh, the pet chem sector. Um, the other thing I'll note uh, before I suck all the air out of this podcast is that um, we're also taking a look at maybe uh, adding some additional um, Monte Carlo simulations and really doing a little bit more work on event risk to see uh, how uh, a different scenario could evolve uh, within our forecast. So more to come on that. Um, it's still a little bit early to, to tell our subscribers about that, but, um, in a nutshell, we take it into account. It's much more uh, subtle than what, uh, what it has been in the past. And we're looking, uh, to do a little bit more, um, more detail around that. Carla, let me jump in and maybe talk about the polymer side of things and what we're thinking about. And this is a very unique, I mean, obviously the last 12 months have been historic, unprecedented, whatever buzzword you, you want to use. So the market is still recovering from the hurricane event of September of last year. Even though we haven't had a hurricane since early October, the market hasn't recovered. And if you go back even before those hurricanes, 
Remember, like on the podcast, we were saying people around the world and in North America were preparing for very poor demand. So they were watching their inventories, cutting back their production in the early summer. And so days of inventory were corrected as a means to lower working capital with fear of poor demand. And then demand took off for all the reasons we talked about, COVID-induced behaviors, changes of people consuming, hygiene, all that good stuff. And the markets haven't caught up since. So the reason there's so much emphasis on, well, what are you forecasting for this next hurricane season is because the market is still in hurricane mode because of the hurricanes of September of last year, the low inventories before that that they were going into, the uh, sudden shutdown of a Mexican polyethylene producer for all of December, the issues around bringing in finished goods and imports into the market because of high freight, and then this historic winter freeze that was the combination of two of the largest hurricanes hitting at the same time. So we are still under this condition of not recovering from, from you know, natural events. And so there's a lot of concern as you go into this summer, you know, will we get hit? And the forecast could be tremendously different depending on how, how you get hit. If, if we don't get to rebuild inventories and there's a hurricane in early June and it actually hits something, then yes, prices will not correct like we're anticipating and the margins and prices will stay elevated in North America. However, if people are able to restock in June through September like they want to, and there is no event, then we could see some significant destocking in that November, December, maybe even mid-October timeframe, and prices could come down more than we're anticipating. So yes, the we do have a surprise freeze, surprise free forecast, and weather events could definitely distort and change significantly our, our current forecast. A surprise freeze free forecast, right? <laughs> surprise freeze free forecast. Starting in February of 2020. Yes. <laughs> 2021. Sorry. Okay. So switching gears a little bit, can y'all talk a little bit about the RGP pricing dynamics that are coming up? You know, that's been that's been the question on a lot of clients' minds here that uh, what's going on with RGP? Uh, why is the spread blown out so much? So I'll address it one from a market perspective. We're, we're not talking about the most uh, transparent of markets uh, in the base case, right? I mean, RGP, it, I would classify it more like an oligopoly. There's a few players that really uh, trade within the RGP side of things. Um, and I'll give you an example. So let's say I'm a refiner and I'm, I have some spare RGP uh, to, to sell to the market, but I'm pipeline connected to one splitter uh, and it's a third party splitter. Um, so given the fact that over the last year, um, RGP was short because of the lower refinery utilizations that we saw uh, given the pandemic, if I have that spare RGP and I have one customer for that, that customer is going to give me a bid and he's going to say, good luck, or he or she is going to say, good luck uh, selling it somewhere else. You can put it on a rail car and ship it elsewhere, but you'll make less money. Here's my bid. So that's essentially how um, we, we perceive the market. Um, like I said, not very transparent, very much opaque. And so when we look at the spreads of what has happened with RGP, 
it clearly in January and February market, the PGP market has been, uh, was, I, I call it bananas, right? I mean, it just went uh, stratospheric and, and there was, there was an obviously widespread between PGP and RGP. Uh, but as those markets corrected, as the PGP market corrected, what, what we saw is that the RGP market corrected even more so. And that's uh, due to a couple of factors. Given the price signal that we saw uh, with a $1.25 uh, cent per pound propylene, uh, that was a massive signal to the refiners to pull as much RG out of the market, out of the gasoline production, and, and divert it into the chemicals market. Unfortunately, in the process of them doing that, we had the freeze and everything was shut down. So as those refiners came up ahead of crackers, ahead of polypropylene units and ahead of the non-PP units, um, it created this, this surge in supply. And that's why we see um, the spread that has been so wide here uh, recently. Will it narrow? Yes, it'll narrow. But what I would say is that given the evolution of gasoline demand and given the emphasis that refiners are putting into uh, vertically integrating in, in, into, pet, into petrochemicals, excuse me, I can't even talk, vertically integrating into petrochemicals, given that emphasis, um, we believe that there will be more RGP floating around in the market. And we believe that the the spread, I, I think we'll be uh, putting this in our forecast update at the end of this week. Uh, we believe that the spread will be wider, longer. Uh, will it be 40 cents? No. Uh, but it definitely will exceed the historical norm of 11 cents. Well, with that, I think we're going to just wrap things up. Thank you both. If you'd like to listen to today's webinar on demand, you can find the link to register in the episode notes on all podcast platforms. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a like or leave a review if you enjoy it. Check out ihsmarket.com chemical for more information on subscribing to our services. And if you have questions or want us to cover something more specific, you can send an email to me at aaron.roberts at ihsmarket.com. Until next time.